is Christian Questions. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose. With Jonathan and Rick, this isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us this morning. And Jonathan, what's the subject today? Well, Rick, our question is, trick or treat, really? (laughs) (laughs) And our theme text is found in Daniel chapter 2, verse 22. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. So, Jonathan, it's fall. And once again, we are all gearing up for the big holiday. You know the one. It's the holiday where kids rule and get stuff, where everyone suddenly seems to be in a giving mood, and for one night anyway, freely gives to anyone who passes by. It's the holiday where adults can be more like children and all seem to be willing to step out of their normal roles. Yes, it's that jolly holiday called Halloween. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween. You know, the night when darkness and death and horror are center stage and evil is king. Okay, so which is it? Is Halloween a good holiday, that jolly holiday we were just describing, or is it a bad holiday? What should we do with Halloween? That, folks, is our question. That is what we're looking at this morning. Halloween, how does it work? Um, How should it work? What should we do or what shouldn't we do uh, with this incredibly, incredibly popular holiday? So many questions, Rick. Yes, there are. (laughs) Yes, there are. So, Jonathan, we're going to be looking at Halloween and we're going to be doing a lot of, of digging through history this morning as we uh, approach the subject of Halloween and uh, what our Christian perspective is and ought to be in regards to it. So as we do that, we're going to be asking one of the big questions. I mean, what was the the initial question you asked? Trick or treat, really? So what about trick or treat? You know, that's kind of where we're going to want to want to get to as we go through this. So let's get started and let's find out. and, And folks, maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this. But where did Halloween have its very basic earliest roots? And then and and what did they mean? And then we're gonna build through that. We're gonna cover oh a few thousand years of history this morning as we go through this. So ancient Celtic fire festivals. That's what we're starting with. So we're going over to Ireland. Uh, and we're going back several thousand years. Uh, we got this uh, bit of information from a website called neopagan.net. There appear to have been four major holy days celebrated by the Paleopagan Druids, possibly throughout the Celtic territories. These four major holy days have been referred to as fire festivals, whether in Ireland or in India or among the Germans or the Hittites. Sacred fires were apparently kindled by the Indo-European Paleopagans on every important religious occasion. All right, so we're starting with there are four major holy days 
when you get back to to pagan worship rituals. All right, four major holy days, and well, let, let's continue with the reading. Sam Hain is pronounced Samhain, not Sam Hain. Right, it's written it's written S A M H A I N, and but it, that's but not it's how you Samhain. Samhain, right. <laughs> is often said to have been the most important of the fire festivals because, according to most Celtic scholars, it may have marked the Celtic New Year. Okay, so Samhain is the what looked like the most important of these four very, very, very important uh, times in the uh, Celtic year. Being between seasons of years, Samhain was and is considered a very magical time when the dead walk among the living and the veils between past, present, and future may be lifted in prophecy and divination. All right, and so now already you're getting into some pretty interesting things. And again, folks, we're approaching the holiday of Halloween from a Christian perspective and asking the question, what should we be doing with this holiday of Halloween? And really to answer a question like that, you want us to figure out, well, where did it come from and what did it really mean originally? Exactly. And what does it mean today? And does the original meaning have anything to do with the meaning today? When time always changes things. It, it really does. And we're talking not just a little bit of time, no. like, you know, from last week to this week. We're talking thousands of years here. Yes. We're actually going to be relying very heavily on a History, History Channel uh, documentary on Halloween called The Real Story of Halloween. Um, this was It was actually released October 2010, so it was three years ago. Very, very interesting. And every time, Jonathan, we've gone through the Halloween story, we've tried to approach it a little bit differently. And this is a new approach. It is, because the, the, the moments of history that, that we're focusing on this morning are very different, uh, by and large, than the moments of history we've focused on in other programs. Correct. So, and it's very, very fascinating. So let, let's get started with this first soundbite from the History Channel, The Real Story of Halloween. There may or may not be enough food to last through the winter, so I think this is where this nightmarish quality possibly comes from. It's a bit of a warning. You know, it's going to get cold and dark. Gather together, come home, and don't send anybody out alone in the dark. But the Celts believed there was even more to Samhain. What marked Samhain in this transition from light to dark was that time and space became permeable flexible and so that spirits not only of the dead but of the past or of other realities could sort of wander into our reality and humans could wander out and get lost in the other world as well the veil between life and death was at its thinnest and the living and the dead could commingle and that's at the, the root of all the Halloween celebrations so, that sounds scary. It is. It is kind of scary, and that's at the root of all of the Halloween celebrations. And and that that last line is very very key and very important. So Samhain was this fire festival that was held at the um, at the uh, fall equinox. So the season marked it right. because it became so dark. Right. The at e- night. The equinoxes and the and the solstice uh, um, and, and the solstices were the four times of the season. They went by the, the cycles of the earth. Okay. Okay. And this was at a at a time when um, darkness was prevailing in the um, uh, in in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so. The thing that you had to worry about is, did you have enough food? Because harvest is now over. 
That's right. And if you didn't have enough, tough luck. Right. So it was a scary time naturally because you're getting ready. Life is becoming darker literally, and there are no, there's no source of food anymore. If you haven't gathered enough by the end of winter, you're going to be in big, big trouble. Yes. So it's scary naturally, but then they add this thing about this magical time about the dead and the living and the veils between life and death and all of those things. So it, it becomes very, very, very um, spooky. Mm-hmm. And and that's what ended up happening. That's what ended up being focused on with that. Now, with all of that, the seasons are important. We know that. The scriptures tell us that. Psalm 104, 19 to 24. He made the moon for the seasons. The sun knows the place of its setting. You appointed darkness and it becomes night, in which all the beasts of the forest prowl about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. Man goes forth to his work and to his labor until evening. O Lord, how many are your works? In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. So the psalm is really telling us, you know, God appoints light, God appoints darkness, and he's got the seasons in place. He, he put all of that as a cycle uh, for a specific reason. But you, uh, because you don't understand it, you can you the human mind tends to conjure things up uh, and give give you a sense of the 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 worry that comes out of this, folks. If you have a thought, we're talking about Halloween, its origin, and what should we as Christians do with Halloween right here, right now, in our day and our age? Should we be celebrating Halloween, uh, or should we not because of its origins? Give us a call at eight six six nine eight five four two five five. Toll free eight six six nine eight five four. All we are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine. And that means we're on right now. And you're listening to Christian Questions with Jonathan and Rick. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. So we have the basic origin founded in um, pagan worship and ritual. Well, Rick, what about trick or treat? (laughs) Should or shouldn't kids go out based on how this started? Okay, good question. We'll get to that later. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We'll get hang on. And that is one of the big questions. If if you understand all of this, should you send your kids out to trick or treat? I mean, because this is really based on darkness and death. Yes, it is. That's that's the, that's the bottom line. So how this happened, I mean, thousands of years ago. How did this tradition survive from, and I mean, it basically started in Ireland. How did it become worldwide and hold on for all this time? Good question. Well, let's go to the next soundbite and get a little bit of history from the History Channel. Uh, again, this was a documentary, The Real History of Halloween, released October 2010, talking about pre- preserving the Halloween traditions. But how did these ancient traditions survive into our modern era? In Western culture, they were preserved by, of all people, Christians. In a bizarre twist of history, as Christianity spread, it adopted and reimagined pagan folk ways rather than try to stamp them out. This made it easier to convert pagans. Surprise, surprise. Say it's not so. And again, I, I appreciate the way they said it. Uh, Christianity, as it spread, adopted and reimagined pagan folk ways rather than try to stamp them out, and that made it easier to convert the pagans. 
Okay. Well, and you know, logically, you say if you're looking for the ease of conversion, of course you'd say that. Well, it's better than wiping out all the people and killing them. Well, that's true. And burning them at the stake, right? Yeah, and unfortunately, Christianity did that too. Uh, you know, the, the the history of Christianity is not dotted with a lot of very very nice things, no, it's unfortunately. Not. But here, what was happening is they were they were engaging in looking at paganism and trying to make compromises so those coming from a pagan background would more readily accept Christianity. So, Jonathan, let's just take a moment here at the end of this segment and, and just what is paganism? Because this, this is important. This comes from a um, another, another website. It will be in the, in the Rewind material. Paganism is a religion of nature. In other words, pagans revere nature. Pagans see the divine as eminent in the whole of life and the universe, in every tree, plant, animal, and object, man and woman, and in the dark side of life as much as in the light. Pagans live their lives attuned to the cycles of nature, the seasons, life and death. Okay, so paganism is built on and reveres nature. It sees divine in everything. Unlike the patriarchal religions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, the divine is female as well as male, and therefore there is a goddess as well as a god. These deities are within us as well as without us. Eminently, they are us. And that is a big, big problem when you think about it, because the deity now, you are the deity, and the deity is you. Whoa. God in you, you in God, and, and, and it becomes very, in my mind, it's very, very confused. Yes. Okay, and, and the third point. The goddesses represent all that is female, and God represents all that is male. But because nature is seen as female, the goddess has a wider meaning, often called Mother Earth or Gaia. She is seen as the creatrix and sustainer of life, the mother of us all, which makes all the creatures on the planet our sibling. So there's this whole thing where everything is connected and the goddess has preeminence in paganism. So it's a very different approach, very different than Christianity. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, trick or treat? Really? Coming up. So since Christianity played a role in preserving the Halloween tradition, where was the mistake made? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, trick or treat. Really? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, and it, it's, it, it, it's almost shocking to realize that one of the key elements in keeping the traditions of Samhain which were was the 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 fire festival uh, pagan origin pagan completely pagan origin one of the key factors in maintaining its its ability to to perpetuate itself was christianity uh, that's just so hard to imagine <laughs> and and we're gonna we're gonna look at, at, at christianity's role in all of this and it, it's fascinating i think it's sad but it's fascinating to just see how it all all develops and unfolds um what elements play a major role here now let's go back to, to salon and and the fire festival originally okay well the earth right the seasons mm-hmm. people the unknown and the hereafter and when you put those things together and at 
the at the point in time when harvest is ended and now the cold period Dark. right of of the year comes around and le- and things become lifeless there that's a scary time it is it just is and remember this is long before there's especially there's, when there's harsh winters right you couldn't text your neighbor you know the, the, there's no electricity there's no there's no nothing except what you've provided for yourself so it is a very very scary scary time so and let's take a look a little further at the Christianization of, of some of these things. Christianity, and we can't cover all the history because there's just way too much. Some of the foundational perspective on the post-apostolic Christianity, post-apostolic meaning after the apostles died and, and left the scene, Christianity changed a lot. Over the next one to two to three hundred years, there was a lot of changing involved in, in the operation of Christianity. There was. And it wasn't for the good. No. Okay, it wasn't for the good because it became very politicized. And in the first century Christianity, they would essentially try to conquer anything non-Christian. And how do, how much does that go against God's word? Right. And so, <laughs> and when you say, well, geez, it's just in the first century. Well, don't forget. I mean, the apostles are off the scene A.D., what, uh, 70, 80, 90? Right. And so the first century goes up for the next 900 years. That's right. That's a long time for things to change. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, conviction that all spirits other um, that others worshipped were demonic was, was a belief in first century Christianity. So wipe out anyone that believes in anything different. Right, because if, if there, any spirit had to be dem- demonic if they didn't label it otherwise. Okay. okay. And the spirit of the waterfall, for instance, the spirit of the stars, the air, the natural forces of the universe, they're all hostile and evil. To Christianity. To Christianity. And again, wow. that, that's, a, that's a, a misunderstanding of what we understand in, in, in God's creation. We go through all of these things, and we have a uh, a sense of um, trying trying to get where Christianity comes from. So, or or the the uh, the brand of Halloween that we get today comes from. Let's go back to the History Channel, uh, and they're talking about something now in ancient Rome. So this is going back long, long time, six oh nine or so A.D. So this is the first century, but it's about a, a festival or a time called Lemuria. A key pagan festival destined to get a Christian makeover was Lemuria, when celebrants placated the dead, culminating on May 13th. Of all the different days that they have in the Roman calendar to celebrate the dead, it was the spookiest. So on the Lemuria, what are called the larvae, the ghosts of the departed would come up um, and haunt people. To quell the dead, pagan Romans poured milk onto their graves or offered them little cakes. But the church co-opted Lemuria in 609 AD, turning May 13th into All Saints Day a day to honor the most holy of dead Christians. Setting aside this day uh, was an attempt to Christianize this very pagan festival, and yet at the same time what it did was it, it kept a lot of the same themes going. So you had this ancient Roman festival called Lemuria, uh, and there's a whole lot more on that in, in uh, Secret Rewind, the bonus material. Yep, yep. So to get that, you need to sign up for Secret Rewind, the full edition. Go to ChristianQuestions.com, sign up for Secret Rewind, the full edition. It's a free service. That's right. There's graphics, illustrations, bo- the bonus material. It is a Bible study within itself. And the bonus material really fills in a lot of the gaps that we can't or we don't have time to talk about on the air. Well, so, Rick, is this where... The, 
the 13th came into mind as being an evil number. Remember you know, Friday the 13th? I think that, this is it, it, I don't know. I, I do know that part of the, 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 the tradition of 13 being evil also had to do with the, the, the fact, again, Christianized, is that there were 13 at the Last Supper. Oh. You know, Jesus and the 12, okay. and one betrayed him. All right. So okay. it, it, there's there's all kinds of things that, that that develop over time that can start out perhaps innocently, but sure. but end up in a very very bad way. Now we're not supposed to worship saints, are we? Biblically? No, and, and you know that's interesting because in the in the soundbite I was talking about what Christianity did is they took this place this this holiday Lemuria and they transformed it into All Saints Day. So because people were sort of focusing on the dead, they said, okay, well if you're going to focus on the dead, let's focus on dead Christians. Well, that's worshiping the created, not the creator. Right, right. So, so you take something that's bad and you try to put a Band-Aid on it, but it turns out the Band-Aid infects it even worse. <sighs> you got it. It is really what it boils down to. Let's get back to Samhain for just a moment. And folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our question is, Halloween, should we be trick-or-treating now that we know all this stuff? Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Thanks for tuning us in every Sunday morning live from 7 to 9. Join our conversation any day and time at ChristianQuestions.com. All right, uh, ReligiousTolerance.org has a paragraph here that really fits in terms of our conversation. Samhain was a fire festival. Sacred bonfires were lit on the tops of hills in honor of the gods. The townspeople would take an ember from the bonfire to their home and relight the fire in their family hearth. The ember would usually be carried in a holder, often a turnip or gourd. They felt nervous about walking home in the dark. They were afraid of evil spirits. So they dressed up in costumes and carved scary faces in their ember holders. They hoped that the spirits would be frightened and not bother them. Wiccans and some other neo-pagans based their religious faith on the religion of the Celts. They continue to celebrate Samhain today. So the idea of taking these these fires that they would light on the top of hills and then taking embers from those fires home with them and they put it inside of a carved out gourd with a scary face. What does that sound like? A pumpkin it's in the U.S. Does. That's right. So that's where it came from. That's the beginning. Thousands of years ago and it was to scare away the evil spirits. That's what it was there for. It was to scare the evil spirits away from you. So it was a way to protect yourself. So think about that in terms of what it was that started the idea of carving out pumpkins. Now, people love to carve out pumpkins. They do. And there's something inherently wrong with carving out a pumpkin. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> but understand the origin. That's what we're saying. Understand the origin. Let's go back to another soundbite, Jonathan, um, the History Channel on the real story of Halloween, and um, you know we, the last soundbite was about Lemuria, this this yep. holiday that was in the spring, May thirteenth, this this Roman holiday that was very much the, the Christianity attacked to Christianize. Well, what about Christianizing Samhain? Let's listen to this. The Christianized version of Lemuria was such a success that church leaders made a decision that eventually gave rise to Halloween. They moved All Saints or Hallows Day to November 1st to drain the life out of pagan Samhain. And then, to be safe, the church went one step further, adding a holiday to honor not just saints, but everyday Christians. November 2nd became All Souls Day, a church-sanctioned holiday to honor the departed. 
So there you have it. What they did is they said, wow, we had such good success with this. That is converting pagans to Christianity. Right. And by and the re- way they converted them is they didn't undo what they believed. They just took what they believed and twisted it and tried to st- stuff it into a bag that looked like Christianity but really wasn't. Right. I mean, that's the bottom line. Let, let's, let's not, you know, uh, mince words about it. And so they said, okay, let's take that All Saints Day because it really worked with this pagan Roman thing. And now let's use that to to destroy this thing sound because that's bad so now it's all souls day right which is all christians everyone else other than the saints right. that what, died but what they did is they moved all saints day from the spring to the fall oh november 1st right it used to be in the spring they said okay now we have another pagan thing we need to do let's to take stamp care of it out so let's take that holiday that works so well here and let's move it there and then they added all souls day just to make sure that okay that way we can pray for everybody Again, it's worshiping the created versus the creator. Now, let's go back to and 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 folks, we're you know we're we're really trying to to, to plow through a lot of history here. But again, the question remains: What about trick or treating? What about today? I mean, if the if, if the holiday of Halloween doesn't mean all of these things to you, is it a good thing to celebrate? Is it wrong? It, it, right? Is it wrong? Is it right? Trick or treat? Should you do it? Should you not? Eight six six nine eight five four two five five toll free eight six six. 985 for all live Sunday morning from 7 to 9 and our website christianquestions.com Interestingly, Jonathan, in that last quote from religioustolerance.org, it said, Sacred bonfires were lit on the tops of hills to honor the gods. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. This is very interesting. This is early in Jewish history. Early. These are the statutes and the judgments which you shall carefully observe in the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess as long as you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and burn their ashram with fire. And you shall cut down the engraved images of their gods and obliterate their name from that place. You shall not act like this toward the Lord your God. So back in the times of ancient, ancient Israel, when Israel's just getting started as a nation, their instruction was to destroy the places that were doing exactly what we're talking about. Pagan worship. So pagan worship was there that far back. But what was that ashram? thing well, that was mentioned. And we're actually we're actually going to get to that in, in just a minute. But here's the key point. The key point of that the, this is God told Israel to destroy all vestiges of idolatry. Don't absorb them and don't don't even think about trying to transform them. Now what did trans, what did Christianity do? <laughs> they they transformed they them. They absorbed them and, and tried to transform them. Yes. They went exactly contrary to the way God said to deal with these things. Doesn't that make you think? Let, let's go now. Let's jump way ahead. Let's go to the 16th century. Back to the History Channel. A uh, lot because there's a lot of pieces to, to put together here. Um, 16th century. Another uh, additional factor comes into play with this whole Halloween thing. A witch panic in the 16th century helped establish the look of the character that, for many, epitomizes Halloween. Almost always, women, witches, were seen as in league with Satan. Over time, as more and more women were accused of witchcraft, their practical kitchen tools acquired sinister dimensions and became model Halloween icons. 
even something as mundane as a broom became an instrument of evil, as well as handy transportation. And so, and, and, and that's what happens with the imaginations of humankind. With, with human imagination, we conjure up a lot of things. Now, now look, I, I am not for a second advocating witchcraft. Not even remotely close. If you, if you think about that, go back to ChristianQuestions.com, go to the archives, and look at the programs we've done on witchcraft. On white or, or white, dark. doesn't matter what kind. Right. Look, look at the programs we've done on that. But what happened is things got blown way out of proportion, and myth becomes reality because you're afraid, and you talk about it in whispers and so forth and so on, and we jump to conclusions. And so now you have this, this witch scare at that point in time, which makes things even worse. And, and it creates the imagery that actually still lives today with the brooms and the big cauldrons and, and all of those kinds of things. Yes. Um, the pointy hats for the witches. Uh, that's where the, the style, if you will, of witchcraft or the, the style of the view of Halloween witchcraft actually came from. Now, back to your, your question about Asherim. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, this comes from a website uh, called From Outside the Camp. The Old Testament mentioned a pagan goddess from which the festival of Easter is derived. The goddess was the goddess of fertility and sexual lust, known as Ashtaroth. Each spring, the pagans would set up Philip poles and Asherahs under trees on high hills and celebrate their fertility festival and unbridled sexual perversion. This is how the Maypole originated. And so you see, see, see something as innocent as the Maypole and, and when you realize what it came from. And this, this is all in Scripture. This is in Scripture. So we have the, the dealing with paganism in Scripture and God says, don't tolerate it. Pull it down, destroy it, don't integrate it into your society. This is the way to stay apart. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, trick or treat. Really? Coming up, the pagan traditions of Halloween, the where and how. Could God's word give us clues from who really originated it? You won't be surprised. Guess who? You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, trick or treat. Really? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, as we look at Halloween and we look at its origins, the origins are not pretty. No, they're not. And they're not uh, scriptural from a good standpoint. They're scriptural no. in, in that the scriptures talk about the origins, actually. You're right. Talk about the kinds of festivals and things, but they don't talk about them in a good light at all. No, they don't. So where did all of this come from? Because really, paganism is the founding father, or founding mother, if you will, of Halloween. Okay, <laughs> Right, from a goddess standpoint. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay. So where does all of this come from? I think it's really simple to figure it out. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. Now think about that for a second. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. Just just, just think about that. Because 
Yeah. Paganism had their rituals up on high hills and the high places. Yeah. Interesting. Isn't that just kind of just just thought I I sorry, go ahead. No problem. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So Satan's desire was to become like God. He wanted to be God. But paganism sounds like that too cuz they were had God within themselves. Right. Ah. So wh- where do you have the origin of paganism? Satan it's, it's, there it's, it is. It's really, really that simple. So let's let's pull this together so far. What do we have just in terms of points on, on the origin of Halloween? The pagan origins of Halloween are founded in very real concerns about life. Right, because it was dark, it was winter, you had to make sure you had enough food. The end of the harvest and Thanksgiving, for it. Right, you're, you're thankful, but you're also worried. Right, and the coming winter. Right. Uh, the coming dark days. Mm-hmm. And the uncertainty of life, death, and the hereafter. Because they really didn't know what the hereafter brought. And you can't blame them for being superstitious because they didn't know. Mm-hmm. All right? So these are real concerns expressed through ritual and celebration toward multiple gods. So they had legitimate and right concerns. But, Rick, wrong execution. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, and so the, the idea is you need to have perspective on light versus dark. Jonathan, let's go to the phones and we'll go back to that perspective. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Seems good morning. like only yesterday you had Halloween. Cut time flies. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, my favorite mechanic, uh, I, gi- I want to give you a comparison, an illustration. He says, uh, you know, when uh, he repairs a vehicle and looks at all the problems and uh, so forth, he says, rust, rust never sleeps. <laughs> uh, thus, the devil never sleeps. He's always conniving to mislead, to confuse a uh, couple of scriptures, uh, uh, if I may. Isaiah 5, verse 20. It says, uh, When woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, misleading. And Isaiah 60, uh, verse 2, I think it is, says, uh, Darkness would cover the earth, and gross darkness, the people. So, uh, with those, uh, uh, you know, uh, misleading um, inclinations and uh, misrepresentations, but the devil, he 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 uh, thrives on self gratification. That that's a big uh, ploy of his. He always uses that. So. Uh, that's where where we stand as far as Halloween is concerned. As far as I can see it, it's just a, a confusion, misleading uh, ploy of the devil. And one final thing on the aspect you mentioned, uh, you know, the uh, All Saints Day, the uh, the dead communicating with the dead, and that's very simply stated by Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse ten: the dead are dead. They don't communicate with anybody. Thank you. God bless. Thanks, Julius. Appreciate your call. Bye-bye. Julius brought out a lot of things, but I love the the, the thought, rust never sleeps, and darkness and evil, and those things that pull down do not sleep in this in this world. So true. And thanks, Julius, for, for the scriptures and, and the thoughts. And, and it actually fits exactly in with where we want to go next, because perspective. Okay, we need scriptural perspective. How do you handle all this? Daniel 2, 19 to 22. This is the context of our theme scripture. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. 
So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. So Daniel's looking to the source of all life. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. And to me, Jonathan, that's it. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells within him. God already knows what's there, therefore we have no need to fear it. We need to dwell in the light that's in God and not try to bring the darkness in. That's the key. So, should we go trick-or-treating? That's the, the big question. Yeah, what about the kids, Rick? Well, and, and, and Jonathan, let's... And the candy, Rick. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's worth it for the candy, I really think. Um... But, you know, should, should we do it? Here, here's my, my, my thinking. This is a Rick opinion here. In, in terms of trick-or-treating, look, if you want to have your kids go out and dress up as a superhero or a, or a, or a, a queen or a princess. How about or a Bible character? Or, I don't know how well that would go over in these days, but hey, why not? Okay, that's fine. I, you know, it, it, it's, it's a happy time. Just don't feed the monster of darkness and evil. Don't, don't feed the slasher mentality and, and, and the, the witchcraft thing. And the ghosts. And, and the death and all yeah. of that. Don't feed those things because those things are, are completely contrary. But, you know, kids are, are always dressing up anyway. True. So, you know, sure, I, I don't mind that, but just make sure you keep it clear. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and you know what that means? That means we're on right now, right? That's right. Go to our website and become a Twitter follower to learn about upcoming programs and new updates posted. Our website has over 500 archived programs. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. You know, last year, Dominic, he was five last year. He dressed up as Iron Man. All right. Very excited. I think he's Wolverine this year or something or other. Very excited. And you know what? I'm excited for him. It's fun. Um, It's fun. I I did go trick-or-treating as a kid. So did I. Okay. Uh, We did not send our kids trick-or-treating. We had a pumpkin party instead. Okay. Because... To us, it was important to make sure that they have the ability to have the fun, mm-hmm. but not engage in something that was had such a close relationship to darkness. Mm-hmm. Good point. So, so again, folks, use your best judgment, but know the origin. That's the point. Know where it comes from, and, and let's and not... And don't feed the origin. Right. Don't feed the monster of darkness. Let's go back to a soundbite from the History Channel, The Real History of Halloween. This is going up to the 17th century, so we're moving through time here. This period saw the continued influence of one of Halloween's most colorful icons, the mask. It often appeared in tandem with another Halloween tradition, destructiveness. Rowdy beggars at All Hallows' Eve also guzzled their share of alcohol, and demands for food and drink became more threatening. Masks helped hide their identities. These boundaries between the living and the dead and between society's rules and anarchy were tested as day turned to night on All Hallows' Eve. Was this trick-or-treat? Not quite, but the resemblance was there. In 17th century England, many of these customs survived only in rural areas, but they would soon turn up in the city streets thanks to a pro-Catholic terrorist named Guy Fawkes. Now, that's another wrinkle that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. A pro-Catholic terrorist named Guy Fawkes. We're going to be talking about him, especially in the second hour. Here's the thing, though, Jonathan. The idea of masks, 
gives you the ability to do something with anonymity. That's right. Not being recognized. That's right. So that takes away accountability because now you can easily get away with it. And that's another one of the dangers because often along associated with Halloween was darkness and, and, and bad deeds. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see how these things would grow and develop and then, they, then society would push them back and they'd simply grow and develop in another way and society would attempt to push them back. And the, and the moral of the story is wherever you give permission for darkness, it's going to grow and develop. It's going to get worse. Yes. Oh. Even if you push back at it, it's got a hold and it doesn't it goes generally... goes to another level right, of evil. It generally doesn't let go. We're not going to read the scripture. We don't have the time. But in Second Chronicles 33, verses uh, 1 through 6, it talks about um, Israel still having the same problems with not destroying the implements of paganism. Like they were told. Right. So what happened through the history of, of, of Israel is they had the same problem. They wouldn't destroy these things, and these things would come back and bite them, and God would be continually angry with them because they were not rising above it. Because some kings actually endorse yes. these evil practices. Right, right. Several several kings. Again, go to uh, Seeker Rewind, the full edition, sign up, and you'll see some details on that that we can't uh, don't have time for now. Want to get into this Guy Fawkes thing. We're almost out of time for this hour, but uh, back to the History Channel um, documentary. Who was Guy Fawkes? What did he do? And how is it that he is so relevant today? On November 5th, 1605, Fox tried to blow up London's House of Lords with 36 kegs of gunpowder. Guy Fox was tried, found guilty, and hanged. The next year, on the anniversary of the failed plot, and every year that followed, the children of London mocked the memory of Guy Fox by causing chaos in the streets, parading, begging, and building bonfires. Today, all over England, this is called Guy Fawkes Day, or Bonfire Night. Now, Guy Fawkes Day fell on November 5th, which is very close to Halloween, so a lot of the energy that was focused on Halloween sort of shifted toward Guy Fawkes Day. All right, so that had nothing to do with Halloween originally. Nothing. But in the second hour, we're going to see how it had much to do with Halloween now. Uh, but the point is, here's a guy, he's a terrorist, he gets caught, he's hung, and then every year after, he's mocked. And what happens is this, Jonathan. When the mockery began, the king, Britain, the king in Britain basically said, and I was reading this in, in some of the history, again, it's in Seeker Rewind, the full edition. Uh, this is King James. Yes. The, what, what, what was happening was the king said, okay, we can do this, but we have to do it um, with restraint and respect. But that didn't happen. You start out with restraint and respect, but it gets out of hand. And so then you have to reel it in again because you're allowing darkness. See, whenever you allow darkness, it grows and, and, and it grips. And when you allow darkness to grow and to grip, you lose your ability to control it. And that's one of the great deep dangers, I think, of Halloween. It's founded in darkness. It's founded in this, in this crazy idea that the... That the veil between the living and the dead, for some reason, on the night of Halloween, is thinnest. And now anarchy is added 
to that original celebration. Right. And, you know, we have Mischief Night in this country. Yes. And it's certainly not what it used to be, and we're going to get into that in the second hour as well. So, folks, listen. If, we, if we're not on in your area for the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live, and stay with us, because all of this really begins to come together in the second hour as we bring it up to the 21st century and where we are and what the difficulties are, because we may not have the same worries now, Jonathan, do we? We don't have no. the worries about running out of food. No. No, we just go to the grocery store. Right. All right? We don't have the worries about, is it going to be warm enough? We have heat in our houses that all you do is turn the thermostat. Mm -hmm. We don't have all of those same uh, inconsistencies in our lives because they've been taken out. But there are other pieces of darkness and evil that have begun to permeate our society because we've taken away the, ori the, the, the original difficulties. And they're getting worse. This right. Evil. So we've created new difficulties, new darkness, and new evil, and it's all passed off as this wonderful celebration, celebration of Halloween. I mean, you think about it and say, wait, there's got to be something wrong with this picture. Folks, there is. So in the second hour, we're going to go through so many more details, and it's surprising how it all comes together. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We're talking about trick-or-treat. Really? Is that something we should be doing, should be endorsing, or should we be walking away from it? For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, until the next hour, afternoons and all that, trick-or-treat, what about it? Think about it. is Christian Questions. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross once said, People are like stained glass windows. They sparkle and shine when the sun is out. But when the darkness sets in, their true beauty is revealed only if there is a light from within. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. Jonathan, what's the topic today? Well, Rick, our question is, trick or treat. Really? <laughs> and our theme text is found in Daniel chapter 2, verse 22. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. And Jonathan, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking back over the, the, the first hour and uh, folks, I got to apologize. I'm really, I'm really coming down hard on this whole Halloween thing, but it bothers me. It just bothers me because it's got such an evil foundation. It's got a dark foundation. It's founded purely in paganism purely in paganism, and that is not godly. Let's face the facts, and it's founded on darkness and death and all of those things, uh, and, and it's founded in, in such a way 
that when you look at it, well, here, here's the thing. The, the trend is well, what happened over time with Halloween is things would start to get out of hand and society would, would reel them back in. Right, to preserve society. Right, and then things would start to get out of hand in a different way and society would reel them back in. And right. this has been a trend that's gone on and on. So wherever this, uh, there's an allowance for unfettered behavior. And remember at the end of the last hour we were talking about masks yes, and how that really elevates unfettered behavior. Right, because it's hidden. Right, there's anonymity. Things always become darker. And here's the equation. The, pl- the passage of time plus entertaining idolatry equals the destruction of life. One more time on that. The passage of time plus the entertaining of idolatry equals the destruction of life. That's what we have to worry about. That's what we have to watch out for. And yes, that's why we're being so so focused on let's understand the realities, the origin. Do what you want, just so you know. Do what you want, but just understand where it comes from. Okay, and the church, unfortunately, Christianity did not help the matter. No, they through, they, they made the, it worse. And that's why they call them the Dark Ages. Um, anyway, let's go to a basic scriptural principle: Second Corinthians six fourteen to eighteen, and this I think helps us to understand how do we deal with such a thing. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? And Jonathan, there's so many things there saying, you don't have any common ground. What are you standing on? You should not be standing together. For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So God says, I will welcome you and be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters. But he also says, before that, he says, do not be in their midst. Be separate. See, it's very clear from a Christian standpoint, how we should be dealing with things that are full of idolatry. Yeah, Rick, but the past 400 years, Christianity did the exact opposite. Yeah, and that's the problem, is what Christianity was attempting to do. And, you know, the, the, the thought is, okay, we need to get to these people, we need to convert them. How do we do it? And so they're, they're, they're trying to do something that they think is the best thing. But the way they go about it is, well, let's compromise to such a point where we can accept what they're doing and just relabel what they're doing. Haha, let's be sneaky. Isn't it supposed to be, be the example of Christ-likeness? Right. It's living holy, living above the fray? If you are an example of light, you do not put darkness into your light to make it more palatable. Light is light. And we can't be confusing those two things. And I think that scripture, Second Corinthians six fourteen to eighteen, really labels it for us, folks. If you have a thought, it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five. Toll free eight six six nine eight five for all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine, and that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today. Join us twenty four seven at ChristianQuestions.com. And, folks, don't forget Seeker Rewind, the full edition. You want to sign up for that because it gives you the text of the program. It gives you the scriptures. It gives you a lot of bonus material. It's a very important aspect of understanding all of the things we're talking about, especially with a program like this. That's for sure. Because there's lots of bonus material. The graphics, the illustrations. I mean, 
they do an amazing job. Our volunteer army on CQ Rewind, the full edition. So it's there for the taking. It's a free service. ChristianQuestions.com, CQ Rewind, the full edition. Sign up now. Let's go back to this Guy Fox thing. Remember, we were talking about him. Now, he had nothing to do with Halloween whatsoever. That's right. He okay. was trying to blow up <laughs> the House of Lords with 36 barrels of dynamite. Right. In, in, in a gunpowder. Gunpowder. In, in, yeah. in 1605. So this wow. is in Britain. This is a long time ago. Now, what happens and how does his influence and the Guy Fawkes Day celebrations, quote-unquote, in 1605 on November 5th, how do they play into Halloween? Well, let's listen. For the Puritans of New England, the supernatural was a dark, menacing force, not a harmless superstition worthy of inspiring a holiday. Despite their efforts to kill the Halloween tradition before it took hold, there were a few Guy Fawkes celebrations that made their way to the shores of America. Other settlers tolerated or even embraced the traditions that threatened the Puritans. And seeds were planted for the holiday that would morph into our American Halloween. So you have several factors coming in, and I'm sort of filling in some gaps here that weren't mentioned in the soundbite. You have Guy Fawkes celebrations, which were very, very popular in England and still are to this day. Okay, where we're, some made it over to this country. Sure. You also had some of the other Halloween or, or Samhain traditions come over, especially in the, in the uh, 1800s when there was a lot of, of people uh, immigrating from Ireland. And German influence also. Right, right. The Great Potato Famine, actually, in Ireland was one of the big reasons that so much of Samhain came to this country. Because there was no food, they came here, and they obviously you bring your traditions with you. Absolutely. So you bring that, you bring the Guy Fox thing, and, and America's all, a melting pot. And that's exactly <laughs> what happens. It all melds together uh. into something. Now here's an interesting thing about Guy Fox is is uh, he is still he is a symbol, and, and Seeker Rewind the full edition has material on this. He is a present day symbol of anarchy. The movie, and I, I never saw the movie, but I read about it, V for Vendetta. Yeah, I remember the, hearing The bad that. guys in V for Vendetta wore a mask, and it was a Guy Fawkes mask. Wow. Occupy Wall Street, the, the, the movement that, I don't know if it's even still around anymore, but okay. a couple of years ago, yep. they would represent themselves with Guy Fawkes masks. Representing anarchy. And that's the representation behind Guy Fawkes. So you have this anarchistic perspective that becomes involved in the all in the overall Halloween thing. They're only five days apart, and they sort of ended up melding together over over several years. And think about the mask right now in Halloween, how, how that is just everywhere. Yes. And uh, the mischief night, the night before, that's where the anarchy concept hits in America. Right, and, and that... that concept of mischief was around in lots of different societies. It would get pushed down, but then it would come up again in another form. And here we are in the 21st century, and we're dealing with yet another form, which we are beginning to develop uh, in this hour. So the depraved human mind is always eager to absorb those things which are not healthy. <laughs> Look, That's human nature. And let, let, let's, get, let's get real for a second. Do you like candy? I love candy <laughs> is and it, chocolate. Is it good for you? No. Okay. Does your wife tell you you should eat less candy? Jewel, do you tell him he should eat less candy? Always. Always. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a sweet tooth. Do you listen? Not always. Okay. So, so Ice cream is my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the point, though. Human nature gravitates towards those things which are not 
not best for us. So with Halloween, again, folks, are we saying you shouldn't send your kids out trick-or-treating? Look, that's for you to decide. What we're saying here today is just know the history. Just know all of the pieces that go into it. Then act according to your best conscience. That's all. That's what we're trying to do. We want you to understand it. Folks, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you have any questions on our subject, give us a call or ask your questions at ChristianQuestions.com or go to our Facebook or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. So, the scriptures also remind us that human nature is looking to absorb things that are not healthy. Romans one twenty eight to 30 And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which were not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. It goes on and on what and on. A list. <laughs> yeah, but, but think about it for a second, Jonathan. On Halloween night, you look at all of these things, and all of these things are glorified. They are. On Halloween night. Absolutely. So what does that tell you? And it says, just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. Oh, you know, God is no longer an important part of our lives, so let's move on to something else. And, well, this is what you move on to. And then we have a night where it becomes permissible to glorify all of us. What has happened? <laughs> I've got to calm down. <laughs> I've got to calm down. Whoa. <laughs> Let's go let's back. Let's talk the headless horseman. No, uh, no, 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 let's no, not. Let's, <laughs> let's go back to the uh, History Channel documentary one more time here uh, for this segment. And now let's move up to 20th century America and see the, the, the newest developments. Halloween had been on a dark and scary journey from its origins with the Celts centuries ago. In the Middle Ages, it became a Christian holiday honoring the dead. But by the 16th century, it was turning into a rowdy kids' celebration, marked by begging and pranks. By the 1800s, Halloween had even moved into cities and towns across America. But the ghastly face of Halloween was reimagined in gruesome shades of orange and black at the turn of the 20th century. For the first time, artists of the era brought together all things scary and linked them to Halloween. Skeletons and spiderwebs, jack-o'-lanterns and bats. They established the look of Halloween that we still use today. So you have, like you said before, America the melting pot. Yes. You have the American artist portraying all of these things and reeling in all of the evil and all of the darkness and saying, hey, this can be fun. And, and, and portraying it in such a way that it gets looked upon and, and, and we say, wow, this is fun because it's one day and, you know, what, what can one day hurt and all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we go through it. So you see the 20th century takes all of the pieces without concern for the origin of the pieces. Right. They don't even know the origin. Right, right. And, and, and just makes it into something that becomes marketable. It becomes <laughs> – and, and really that's – Oh, the, that is so true. That's the bottom line of the 20th century. 
Now, and, and Jonathan, we don't have time to go into this. So again, folks, Seeker Rewind, the full edition, is where you want to go to get the, the information on this. But there is a proper way to deal with paganism. You know, in, in the first scripture we read in this segment, it was, you know, you have to be separate. Mm-hmm. But what do you do? How do you communicate with those who are of pagan origin? Well, in Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 31, the Apostle Paul gave us a classic example of how to do it. Talking to the men of Athens, right. which had many statues and, and many gods. He acknowledged them. He acknowledged the fact that they were religious, and he, he complimented them on their search for, for truth and understanding. Mm-hmm. And then he said, but let me show you the thing that you don't know. And I'm going to explain to you the unknown God. And what he did is he built the superstructure of Christianity just by saying, you're religious. You've been off track. Let me show you the right track. He didn't say, let me bring all of your gods. You can bring them with you because, hey, it'd be really cool. The more the merrier. No, 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 no. He said, let's take it and let's put it in perspective. He, He created, he put in place a combination of reason, kindness, instruction, and firmness. You're religious. There are things you don't know. I can help you know those things you don't know. And you can look at their reasonability and you will need to change. And that was the message that Paul gave at Athens. You need to change. Don't bring your baggage because there's something better. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, trick or treat. Really? Coming up, why do some claim that good old Charlie Brown is the reason that Halloween-themed movies for adults came into existence? Really? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, trick or treat. Really? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we proceed with this program, we've moved through thousands of years in <laughs> a very short period of time. We're going to spend the rest of the program in the 20th and 21st centuries and take a look at where we are right now with Halloween and what's going on. Let's go back to, uh, again, the History Channel a documentary, The Real Story of Halloween. Uh, 1933 was a very important year in the development of our current Halloween traditions. The Halloween of 1933 was actually labeled Black Halloween in a lot of newspapers because of all of the destruction that the cities incurred. The kids were no longer just doing innocent, silly things. Now they were smashing light bulbs. They were setting fire to buildings. They were smashing car windows. If Halloween were to survive, it would have to change. Schools and police departments and other civic groups consciously and very actively promoted the idea of taming Halloween. And so they started to invent all sorts of things for kids to do, to divert them. Town-wide parties, costume contests, games, everything that you could think of to get the kids away from pulling tricks and into the light. So you had things getting so far out of hand, you had kids lighting fire, setting buildings on fire and smashing car windows and creating havoc and destruction. It's time to reel them back in, Rick. Right. And that's the process. That's what happens. Things get out of hand. We reel it back in, but we don't take the evil out. And so it's just going to rear its ugly head in another way. Costume contests, uh, contests. 
uh, bobbing for apples, games. Right, and and you know, trying to to refocus the energy. Good idea, refocus the energy. But if you don't take the darkness out of it, the darkness is going to win. I, right. it, it's just, it's just, it's just the, the way it works. They were trying to tame Halloween. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you too. We have Isaiah sixty-five three four. A people who provoke me, who sit inside tombs and spend the night in secret places. The traditions that became modern Halloween arose out of fear of death. Our society is just as afraid. We sanitize death by hiding it in institutions. We numb ourselves by fascination with gory murders. Mark 6.49 But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. People long for the transcendent, for hope. The Christian bears witness to that hope beyond death and God's individual love. A scare might be fun on Halloween, but the Christian does not fear. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. And, and I guess, you know, that last scripture that Randall quoted is what we're trying to do here. We're trying to give you a sense of the origin so you can understand and make a choice as to what you want to do with it. Make a Christian choice as to what you want to do with it and stand by it. But stand by it knowing all of the elements. That's the point. Know the elements. Just so you know. That's why we're here. Randall, thanks again. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, the, the, the pattern of godliness always produces the same result. You know, we're talking about the patterns of evil and darkness. Right. Well, the pattern of godliness, godliness always produces the same results. Um, and what we want to do is we want to take that and we want to uh, accelerate the godliness because we are in an age where the darkness is actually being accelerated. And that's prophetic. It's, we're not just saying that by observation. Right. That's prophetic. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. But realize this. That in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. So that's talking about the last days and difficult times. But again, Jonathan, all of these things are glorified on Halloween. They are indeed. And you've got to say to yourself, man, there's something to be said for understanding this and then acting accordingly. Now, let, let's shift gears a little bit. We're in the 20th century. Let's move up to 1966. And we were at 1933. And you mentioned Charlie Brown. I did indeed. So what does Charlie Brown have to do with the development of Halloween? Well, you'll find out. All right, let's go back to the History Channel. <laughs> Halloween was becoming a pop culture phenomenon, a national festival attended by millions, celebrating the joys of scavenging for mass-produced candy. Then in 1966, Halloween found a home where all pop culture ultimately goes, TV. Halloween's stature zoomed off the charts when America went trick-or-treating with Charlie Brown. The whole idea of the Great Pumpkin, of course, came from the comic strip when Sparky Schultz decided that it would be very funny if one of the kids got his holidays mixed up. And uh, so that's how Linus ends up in the pumpkin patch every year. 
Who are you writing to, Linus? This is the time of year to write to the Great Pumpkin. Television and America's most popular comic strip had given Halloween its unofficial seal of approval. The holiday had never in its entire history been so mainstream. But Halloween-themed cartoons aimed at kids were one thing. A movie for adults with Halloween as its theme was another. So, Charlie Brown did have something to do with it in a very innocent way. What Charlie Brown did was bring Halloween to the media of television. And to families from little children all the way up through adults. And it was a very innocent approach. Trick or treat, it's fun. The great pumpkin, ooh, laugh, ha, ha, ha. It's and he all... got it mixed up with Santa. Right, right. right? So, so, but, it, but it was all in fun. And you say, okay, that's not such a terrible thing. And you're right, it's not such a terrible thing. But what happens is once the door to the medium of television is opened up. Oh, the seal of approval. Then you can take that and develop it in what happened maybe, what was it, 12 years later, I think, was the, the, the first movie Halloween, which mm. was the first you know, gore fest made for adults all about Halloween and the dark and evil side of it. And then you had an entire industry blossom and bloom. Evil. All about the darkness. All Ugh. about blood and guts and gore and death. And, and fear. And spiritism and all of these things. All the undead, I mean zombies and, and I mean, come on. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So society pulls back. Okay, pulls back, and now we've got Halloween in 1966 as a nice kid-oriented situation. Trick or treat, everybody's having lots fun. Lots of candy, lots of candy. Doesn't take very many years before the idea is 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 transformed into something adult, and now the darkness comes back in a roaring fashion. Now you're not destroying people's property anymore. What you're destroying is their minds, their conscience, right? That's what you're destroying. So now the mischief is starting to come out of mischief night and all of that. But the mischief is now focused internally on deadening our repulsive reaction toward death and destruction and gore. And you think about that. And it sounds so subtle. But it is, it is, it is a deeper destruction. Just what Satan would want to happen to take people away from godliness. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues all through the week at ChristianQuestions.com. And there's tons of topics and featured audio to talk about. Our archives, our rewind, our Facebook, and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, we want to go to Second Timothy chapter three. Um, we're just going to read part of this verse, chapter three, verses five through nine. Let's read the first part. But realize this: that in the last days, difficult times will come. Oh no, no. Oops, I'm Next sorry. One. All right. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. From among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, lit, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, this is the Apostle Paul warning Timothy, and that sounds kind of like Halloween, always developing and evolving but never bringing true goodness. That's what happens to Halloween. It is, it is developed and evolved, but it doesn't bring goodness. It brings an excuse to be able to have depravity. 
That's what it essentially brings. The scripture goes on to talk about Janus and Jambres, uh, who opposed Moses. Who are they? Go to Secret Rewind, the full edition, bonus material. It'll tell you all about them. Uh, very fascinating story. But the bottom line is, Jonathan, it brings depravity. That's the issue. That's what we have to worry about here. Let's go back to the, the, uh, the History Channel documentary. And, and folks, I hope you can see this, how this story is developing. You know, we, we've moved through centuries, and now we're, we're within the last... Uh, you know, 30 or 40 years of where we sit today, and we're seeing how Halloween now has become much more cerebral. Yes, it has. Okay, and the effects have become much more cerebral, but th- think about this. I mean, you watched the Charlie Brown special on Halloween when yes, you were when a kid. Yes, I was a kid, sure. Okay, so that dates you. That says that you're an old man. <laughs> uh, I am. I'm right. older than you, so. <laughs> so we grew up on Halloween. We grew up on trick-or-treating. Think about that when you listen to this next soundbite. Today, that trend has escalated to an obsession. Film franchises like A Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, and Halloween are inspiring growing legions of kids to dress to kill. To wear the mask of the killer or of the ghost of the skeleton, it gives a kid a sense of a lot of power and also of safety. Because the monster can't get you if you are the monster for that moment. Crazed killer masks are just part of Halloween's evolving taste in costumes. The only rule now is that there are no rules. Masks take their inspiration from pop culture, religion, politics, you name it. And a growing number of faces behind them belongs not to kids, but adults. Halloween has become a huge adult activity, and I don't think that was uh, the case 50, 60 years ago. So, again, the holiday develops and evolves into something different. And now the evolution of the mask is the dressed-to-kill mask. More and more common are the really scary, gory masks and, and, and all of these, these, these uh, uh, Halloween uh, franchises and it has in shifted. the movie business. It's shifted to adults. And actually, commercials are playing now about adults walking with the kids all dressed up, yeah, I, I looking mean, for candy and things themselves. I mean, there is an inordinate amount of money spent, not, not even on adults, but on, on, on costumes for your dog. There are, <laughs> I don't know, tens of millions of dollars a year. I don't know what the number is. It's an enormous amount. I read it the other wow. day. And, and what's happened is it's become, it's become part of the culture. But the part of the culture, Jonathan, that is so disturbing is the fact that it is all about the darkness and the blood and the guts and the fact that the, the only rule is there are no rules. How sad. And it, it plays on your mind. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866 985 Four two five five. There's another way to deal with all this, Jonathan. Second Timothy three verses ten to fifteen. But you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And, you know, that's costly because you're different than everybody else. Remember that scripture earlier, be ye separate. Yes. Well, and, and, and the Apostle Paul is basically saying to Timothy, again, look, 
persecution happens. Being pursued, being made fun of, being ridiculed is going to happen if you stand for something that's different. It's costly. It's costly to stand that way. But consider the alternative. Continue the verse. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've heard them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So the apostle is basically saying, look, choose what you, and he's talking to Timothy specifically, who grew up in, in, in Christianity. He's saying to Timothy, choose to rely on those things that you started out with. Focus on that as a way to build your life and don't compromise. So as we go through this whole discussion on Halloween and the darkness and the, and the propensity now for adults to be involved, why are adults involved? Be- involved? Because they were kids in trick-or-treating. That's right. And they liked it. And you know what? Frankly, it's fun. Okay? It is. It's fun. And so why not continue as an adult? And the, the problem with our generation is we're sort of the generation doesn't want to ever really grow up. <laughs> really? And, and, <laughs> it's true. And, so but true. But really, that's part of why Halloween is transferred from just a child's celebration to an adult celebration and with an adult celebration there's other parts and other darkness that comes with it this is christian questions i'm jonathan here with rick our subject trick or treat really coming up why are so many adults uh, participating in halloween is it for the candy or for other reasons that's next You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, trick or treat. Really? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, <clears throat> in the last segment, um, we were listening to that uh, History Channel um, documentary and talking about the, the 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 only rule now is that there are no rules, mm-hmm. and that adults are now deeply involved in Halloween. And you know what? Again, it's fun. I understand that it's fun, but along with the fun, because the door of darkness remains open. What ends up happening? Let's go to this next soundbite and just get a sense of where it ends up going. Because, you know, you always seek the lowest common denominator. That's human nature in a, in a sinful state. Well, here's where we go. But haunted houses aren't the only place to find adults getting out on Halloween. In places like New York City's Greenwich Village Halloween Parade and West Hollywood's Halloween Carnival, the holiday takes a walk on the wild and naughty side. This sexually liberated Halloween sometimes crosses the line from adults to adults only. If you look at the costumes that are sold to adults these days, the costumes for women are all kind of borderline prostitute costumes. You know, the sexy nurse, the sexy maid, the sexy anything. And I don't know about you, but that, to me that's just plain disturbing. And, be, and the reason it's disturbing is it's mainstream, and yes, this is what you're expected to participate in. And besides, it's, quote, fun for one night to be whatever you, quote, want to be in your own little brain. 
and how sad it is it is it it it, it becomes a way for darkness to grow its grip in your own mind how low can you go and and that's really that's that's the bottom line here i mean halloween began as a way to cope with the dark and the unknown and you can understand and appreciate the coping with the dark and the unknown but it transformed into a way to seek restless reckless thrills and the fulfillment of any desire and it's surprising it's astounding to me how those scriptures we read about the uh, you know the dark things of the world and the sinful behaviors right, right. are all every one of them is glorified on that day and when you choose the mask of the slasher what are you glorifying i mean think about that what are you physically representing when you go out that way evil when you go out and and you and and you as a woman and you and you dress in one of these 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 prostitute-like costumes, I'm trying to be nice here, what, what are you actually representing? And is that, is that the way you represent your own, your own person, your own body, your own mind? I mean, think about this. And, and that's, to me, Jonathan, that's why my blood pressure goes up around Halloween. <laughs> First John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So, in this scripture, Jonathan, it's, it says it in a very nice way. There's three things you need to work, watch out for. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of sin comes from those three things. Yes. One or any combination of those three things. We need to be aware to stay away from sin as Christians as best as possible. So therefore, we need to know and understand what Halloween is, how it works, and then decide what we're going to do with it. And in my mind, what I want to do with it is say, okay, acknowledge the fact that, hey, it's a nice time to have candy, and I love candy. All right? Th- yes, that's good. Yep. But it's not a good opportunity to represent yourself in a dark or evil way in any way, shape, manner, or form. Right. So we must make our choices and decisions as to how we deal with that. Let's do one last sound by Jonathan. The conclusion and uh, from, from the uh, History Channel, the real story of Halloween documentary. And this, I think, really sort of sums up what we're fighting against. Halloween doesn't like to have its energies tamed. You know, it's uh, the rebellious aspect's going to pop up somewhere. Look close enough, and you'll see that Halloween is a showcase of everything the human race fears. Through the centuries, we've learned to live with what scares us most. And now, on October 31st, we turn our fears into fire. The first statement in that, Halloween doesn't like to have its energies tamed. The rebellious aspect is going to pop up somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the bottom line of this thing. No matter how much you try to reel it in and say, okay, no, 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 we don't want to get out of hand that way. Let's, let's refocus, let's reorganize, let's re-energize. The worse it gets, Rick. It just, the, the darkness comes up in a different form, and now it's become much more internal, and now it's become much more of the numbing down of our personal selves to, to the effects of, of sin and evil. That's not a good thing, folks. No, it's, it's just not. simply not a good thing. So what do we do? Okay? There's one, two, three, four, five. I don't know. I hope we can do this. Five points here. First, choose the image to which you will conform. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts 
which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So choose the image to which you will conform. In other words, sometimes, Jonathan, sometimes we're in our lives we're not, uh, we're not as, as, as upstanding perhaps as we should be. Right. Okay. But you want to conform to something that's more upstanding. Yes. So you've got to walk the walk. You've got to talk the talk, even though you might not be arrived. Mm-hmm. But choose to walk the walk and talk the talk of something higher than you. That's right. Battle to, to rise above. Not something lower than you. Yes. So choose the image to which you will conform. Make your choice. Okay. Sec- second point. Know the sources of your belief. And, and, you know, knowing the sources of your belief. We've talked uh, all morning here about how where Halloween came from. Mm-hmm. Those are the sources. Like it or not, choose to believe in it or not. The sources are what the sources are. So you need to understand them and then put them into a context that you can deal with. Not ignore, but deal with. Well, how do we do that? First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And it's interesting here, Jonathan, a couple of things. Um, uh, First of all, the idea that you know our source of our belief is the God of light, and in him there is no darkness. Yes. The very fabric of the whole idea of Halloween is built around darkness. darkness yeah. So yeah. you've got to just put that in context and understand it, understand the difference. Now it's interesting also in this scripture, one of the big factors of Halloween these days is blood. You're right. Blood and gore and all of that disgusting uh, representations. This scripture mentions blood. It mentions the blood, the shed blood of Jesus. But you see how blood is represented in the scripture in sacredness because mm-hmm. it was a sacrifice for a reason of, of giving all mankind future freedom. Yes. That's the source of our belief. And it deals with blood in a sacred manner. And when we start to spill blood for the fun of it, even if we're just pretending, what are we teaching ourselves? What are we teaching our children? What kind of example are we being? You've got to ask yourself, what's the source of your belief? If you want to dress up like that, why? Why do you think that's such a nice thing to do? Follow it through. Follow it all the way through. Next point. You have been delivered. Live a delivered life. Okay. If you've been delivered, live that way. Colossians 1, 12 to 14. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So, if you have been delivered from the power of darkness, should you bring darkness with you? No. So, boy, that was quick on that one. (laughs) No! (laughs) Don't do it. If you've been delivered, that means that which you were delivered from should be something in the past. It should be something you've... When Israel was delivered from slavery in Egypt, they, they didn't bring the slavery with them. They, they were able to, to wipe their hands clean of it and now establish their own nation. They were free. If you are in Christ, then you are free. Don't make the mistake that 
Christianity made early on and try to mix the two so you can appease everybody. That's not the Christian way. It just isn't. Next point. Beware the subtlety of sin. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen to 15. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. All right. So, sin is subtle. And we've seen that with with our examination of Halloween this morning. We have. Because what happens is there are certain things about it that are just fun. Okay, look, the idea of trick-or-treating, it's fun. It is. You know, kids dressing up and they have such a good time and they just get so excited. That's fun. Okay, great. But you have to understand the subtlety of sin. If we allow that fun to mix with all of those other elements, we are taking that fun and we are corrupting it and we're planting seeds of darkness. We just simply are. Just face the facts. That's what happens. And look what happens when darkness grows up. It becomes stronger and more and more evil. Last point, Jonathan, is to seek holiness. First Peter 1, 14 to 16. We read the scripture before uh, under choose the image to which you will conform, but we're going to focus on the other part of the scripture now. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so Ye be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And that the, the idea of seeking holiness is a lifelong um, journey. It is. The idea of Christianity is to be set apart. We, we talked about that Corinthian scripture earlier in the program. Mm-hmm. To be set apart, to be sanctified. For a holy purpose. And that's what sanctification is, is to be set apart for a holy purpose. You've been chosen out of the world to live a life that's different than the world around you. Christ-like. And that life is supposed to be as an example to the people around you of what Christ-likeness looks like. A light shining in the darkness. So if you are a Christian and you love Halloween and you want to go trick-or-treating with your kids, okay, and I understand that. I understand that, and that's fine. But if you're going to dress up like the, like like one of those 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 uh, Halloween slasher movie type people and you know have the blood and the guts and the and, and evil, <sighs> what? How? How? Explain to me. Uh, obviously, there's no time to explain it to me now. But explain <laughs> to me how that is representing holiness. How is that representing something different? What message is that sending? Is that sending the message that, well, look, I'm a Christian and I'm going to go to church on there every Sunday, but this one night of the year, I can do whatever I want. Is that the way Jesus operated? No. Is that the way the apostles operated? No. Is that the way we were instructed to operate? Not at all. Well, then, folks, focus on the why. Focus on the why and the depth of the holiness that we have to have in our lives. Remember, the fallen human mind will always find ways to go from bad to worse. I mean, that's just the way it works. While the enlightened spiritual mind will always find ways to rise above the fray. So those are the, the, the elements that we have as we look at Halloween. And now I'm going to take a deep breath. <sighs> so how can we be a good example during this day, and you know, and that that's that's the bottom line. And I really think the, the 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 answer to that is understand the origin, understand all the twists and turns, understand why it started, how it developed, how it evolved, how the media has taken part in it, how it's become a. It, it is the the second most um, um, uh, retail um, rich holiday in the country. Wow! Besides Christmas, Halloween is right there behind it. 
Okay, so there's 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 food that's sold, there's candy, there's masks, there's costumes, there's all of these Halloween things. A lot of pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> but again, be an example by knowing the reality, and if you choose to dress up, choose carefully. I think that's the way to do it. To, you choose carefully to represent something that's good. And if you want to do a superhero, okay, great. If you're a kid, if you're an adult dressing up as a superhero, I don't know. We Maybe have to talk about that. <laughs> anyway, folks, look, Halloween is a time where we as Christians need to make choices. Be careful, make choices, seek holiness. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We hope you've enjoyed being with us today. We certainly have enjoyed being with you on a very interesting and tough subject about Halloween and trick-or-treating. Until next week, for Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, make sure that we keep our priorities straight because what we decide is reflected and God looks at our decisions of our heart and how we act as a way to judge who we really are. Till next week, trick-or-treat. Really? Think about it. Oh,